It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. And you still like me or you you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You're all right. (laughs) I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, Longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth. In America, wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. Getting another red wave warning, meanwhile, for the Democrats. Politico now reporting how, quote, the Democratic brand is broken and the infrastructure bill isn't fixing it, while Biden voters apparently have no clue what the party actually stands for. And don't count on the president to bail them out in 2022. A new poll reveals his approval rating at an all-time low within his own party. Let's go to the Democrat at the table, Jesse. Lucky me. Yes. What can Democrats possibly do to avoid, forget wave, the red tsunami that is coming in 2022. Because remember, President Obama, even passing Obamacare, lost 63 seats in 2010. Donald Trump lost 43 in 2018, despite the tax cuts. So you got to figure here, you're looking at 60, maybe 70 seats gone. So not just uh, losing the House, but Republicans having a strong majority. And then the Senate, one seat has to flip. And then you get cocaine Mitch back as your majority leader. Cocaine Mitch feels like he never went away from me. All right, that's a clip from The Five just last week, but you're hearing this all over the place. The red wave, the red wave, the red wave. Republicans are going to win in 2022. We just know it because Kevin McCarthy is telling us that. The Republican leadership is telling us that. The news media is telling us that. But wait a minute, maybe, maybe not so fast. Uh, George Rasley is a good friend of mine, but that's not in his resume. (laughs) Uh, He's actually been around for a very long time, an expert in all things election, Uh, He's a veteran of over 300 political campaigns, including every Republican presidential campaign from 1976 to 2004. And uh, he served as staff member or advanced representative from some of America's most recognized conservative political figures like Ronald Reagan and Sarah Palin and Jack Kemp. He's a member of American Mensa. That means he's very smart, in case you wondered. And he served in the House and Senate staff and on the staff of Vice President Dan Quayle. Uh, So uh, George now works as the editor of Conservative HQ. I often use his his information and his articles with you, even sometimes when you don't know it. I trust George's uh, judgment and really respect his history and experience. And so I've asked him to join us this morning to talk about that red wave of 2022. George, good morning, and thank you for joining me. Good morning, Sandy. I'm delighted to be here. Hey, before we get into, you have a great article on this, but before we get into that, let's talk about just in general, uh, the lay of the land in the Senate. I had a discussion with a political consultant just a couple of days ago, a long-term guy with lots of experience, and he says that the Republicans are not going to win the Senate. That's that's how he feels about it. What do you think? Well, I think that there is uh, the opportunity to win the Senate, but... um, I'm not seeing it because I'm not seeing Republicans actually working to uh, win. I mean, they're sort of playing a a prevent defense, if you will. And um, that's not how you uh, make a wave or a tsunami. 
and uh, particularly in the Senate, uh, you can't beat someone with no one. And we're not seeing the kind of um, high-quality, real conservative candidates uh, being recruited and being funded uh, to take on incumbent Democrats. You know, I just... uh, so let me just, for instance, John Thune has just announced he's he's not going to retire now. Oh, thank goodness, he's going to stay with us, and he's a he's a slam dunk to be reelected. What does that mean to you in terms of what's happening in the Senate and our chances of uh, having conservatives be prominent in the Senate in twenty twenty two? Well, that was that was good, uh, you know, certainly good news. Uh, but then you know you look at. Um, some of the other rhino senators who are aging and, you know, none of them are quitting. So it's not like we're going to be able to replace um, existing Republican senators with uh, good, solid conservatives. And um, again, like I said, in the, in terms of challenging the weak Democrats, um, we're not seeing the kind of quality, in my opinion, the, the kind of quality uh, MAGA conservatives uh, stepping up to run. Uh, and, you know, uh, it's going to be a situation where we have to earn these victories. Uh, just because the Democrats are so bad uh, doesn't necessarily mean that we're automatically going to elect a real live fire-breathing conservative to replace uh, a bad Democrat or a uh, weak rhino Republican. You know, it's true, at least for me too, George, when it comes to the Senate, I've heard very little. I, I, that doesn't mean nothing's happening, but I haven't heard about candidates that people are excited about in the grassroots. Uh, one thing I would say that Ron Johnson has decided to stay on, and that is really good news uh, because he's yeah, one of the few yeah, in there that's... Really good news. Yeah, really swinging away. But let's move to the House, because that's really kind of the target of your article. You wrote an article called To Make the Red Wave Real Stop, Real, Stop Talking, Start Working. And you talk about that, uh, the the mailing that Kevin McCarthy sent out. House Republicans are targeting 70 Democratic-held seats, uh, Kevin McCarthy said in a fundraising letter, we are going to take back the largest House majority in a decade. In a cycle like this, no Democrat is safe, says NRCC Chairman Tom Emmer. Voters are rejecting Democrat policies that have caused massive price increases, opened our borders, and spurred a nationwide crime wave. All right, so that's all true, really, George. That's all true. But what's the missing part here? <coughs> well, uh, that's all true, but... But Republicans uh, aren't out there uh, fielding candidates who are going to run against uh, those follies of the Democrats or failures of the Democrats. I mean, um, the typical Republican candidate that the establishment, uh, you know, McCarthy and Emma are backing is, you know, a Chamber of Commerce guy who wants cheap labor. And um, is not going to stick his neck out and um, tell the truth about why we have this crime wave, which is, you know, defunding the police, giving in to BLM, et cetera, et cetera. And so, you know, if we don't actually uh, 
present an alternative if we're just giving them, you know, Ford versus uh, Chrysler, it's, you know, it's not going to be a red wave. We may pick up some seats. We may even win the majority. Uh, but you don't get a wave like the Tea Party wave unless you have a real live black and white alternative. Uh, and I'm not seeing it right now. No, well, I think it needs to be made clear, George, that uh, we, it's our observation uh, that the Republican, uh, the NRCC, which is the, uh, that's the branch that actually selects can- candidates, helps select them and fund them, finds them out in the in the hinterland. They're supporting rhino candidates. And they're really spending, as I understand it, most of their election money on uh, saving the incumbents' uh, seats, which is the yeah, way it didn't used to be that way, did it? absolutely true. No, and uh, but but you're absolutely right, Sandy. And uh, so you know they're putting literally millions of dollars into, uh, you know, as I said, chamber of commerce type rhinos, either Republican incumbents or uh, open seat candidates, and they're not backing uh, the uh, make a, make America great again, type conservatives who have huge grassroots support. And, uh, you know, here in Florida, uh, we ought to be picking up two, maybe even three seats uh, if we had uh, the right money and and technical support behind MAGA candidates. And, uh, you know, I think we'll be lucky to pick up one, quite frankly, uh, the way things are going right now. Do you see the House Freedom Caucus? They have a they have a pack uh, to identify future Freedom Caucus members, and they're the hardcore conservatives that you and I are very fond of. Uh, are they? Is their pack faring well? And are they are they in the business now of doing some effective recruiting? Well, they are doing some effective recruiting, uh, and. I am not really sure, to be perfectly honest with you, how their pack is faring. Um, you know, it's a it's a tough sell uh, to the typical K Street uh, Washington lobbyist um, to give money to the House Freedom Caucus because the typical Washington lobbyist is for open borders for more legal immigration to suppress the wages of American workers, uh, for, you know, basically a globalist economic uh, and uh, political agenda. And that's the exact opposite of what the Freedom Caucus is, is working for, thank goodness. You know, let me just insert, their, their pack is called housefreedomfund.com. And my advice to people listening is, and I've said this, I say this over and over again, is not to give to the Republican Party. I just don't, they're not trustworthy right now. They just aren't. The leaders are not trustworthy. That doesn't mean all Republicans aren't, but their leadership isn't. Housefreedomfund.com, if you give money directly to them, uh, that money will be spent on finding true conservatives and supporting them in elections around the country. Uh, But 
Now, let's talk about the Democrats for a second, because you point out that the the Democrats are, they're deadly. Look, I've made this point too, George. You probably heard me say, if anyone thinks that the Democrats are going to roll over and play dead because the polls are showing uh, that uh, Joe Biden is not popular or, you know, or the policies are not popular, they're crazy. If they think the Democrats are going to give up the power they have gained, however, whatever means they used, so easily. So what are they doing to fight back? <laughs> Well, uh, you know, the number one thing they're doing is trying to change election laws so that uh, all the things that they did to steal the 2020 presidential election uh, will be, in essence, institutionalized. And uh, so, you know, passing uh, their uh, H.R. 1, which was their big election, so I wouldn't call it a reform, but they do their election bill. You know, would allow ballot harvesting nationwide, would would get rid of voter ID, uh, would do, you know, all the things that they did and make them legal, no less, uh, to uh, steal the election from Trump. And imagine pushing that down into all of your. Um, congressional races where, you know, these close races are going to be decided by a percentage or two, you know, which uh, in a congressional campaign may be a couple thousand votes. So, you know, it's uh, it's a very dangerous situation and it's, you know, kind of the equivalent of backing a, a rabid wolf into a corner. Um, you know, they're not going to lie down. They're going to uh, snarl and bite harder. You quote uh, John Anzalone, who's a pollster for Biden, who <clears throat> predicts there's going yeah. to be like about, they're going to spend about $3 billion. By the way, Michelle Obama is getting involved in this, vowing to deploy thousands of lawyers to protect American voters in the 2022 cycle. So we know what that means. And uh, we, I think we have trouble yeah. ahead. And I think, uh, um, let me refer you all to George's article, to make the red wave real, stop talking start working. It's a great article. We'll put it on our Facebook page and other places. And uh, so I think you'll find it very beneficial. And that applies to all of us. In fact, the next few segments today, we're going to be talking about what you can do to prevent what might actually be a disaster for conservatives in the 2022 election. George Rasley, Conservative HQ, great publication. I can't say enough about it. And uh, George, thanks so much for joining us this morning. This is Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. I mean, uh, you know, I remember in Watergate, it took a it took a long time before they actually nailed all these people. It doesn't happen that fast. The wheels of justice grind slowly. I, I, I'm not losing hope yet, but I will worry in November if the uh, Republicans take over the House and the Senate. That will be the end of the beginning of the end for this country. That's the famous political commentator, Joy Behar, from The View. If Republicans win in the fall, it will be the end of the republic, the end of democracy. Of course, that's what President Biden is saying. That's what everyone's saying that's on the left. It's going to be the end of democracy if Republicans get back in power. It's so interesting how things get twisted, but it's more interesting and concerning how many people listen and actually believe. Well, a lot of good things are happening. We just spent some time with George Rasley painting kind of a bleak picture 
of what uh, is happening now in preparation for the 2022 election. Uh, and it doesn't sound good. Like the Republican Party, which is most aligned with conservatives in terms of candidates, uh, doesn't seem to be uh, supporting conservative candidates. It doesn't seem to be finding them, giving their money to them. And uh, But I have to tell you that lots of people uh, that are the, um, the rock rib conservatives in this country are doing some great things. And these are the ways that you can get involved. So I wanted to talk to my friend Ron Armstrong, who is the head of Stand Up Michigan, uh, who's had such great success with that because he's busy doing a lot of things in Michigan. You, we all know that Michigan has really suffered under the leadership of their horrific governor who's just uh, taken away so many of their freedoms and their businesses have been hurt, but they've really gotten organized and are fighting back. Ron, by the way, is a, was a business owner for 35 years. I think he still is. He was a mayor uh, of Nuevo for 10 years, a leader in economic development in that town and other places. It's a beautiful little uh, a town that's been restored on a river. It's just gorgeous, and he was the mayor there for 10 years. He served as state co-chair of both uh, the Unlock Michigan campaign that repealed the 1945 law as well as the current, current Unlock 2.0 campaign to limit the state and local health departments. And again, he's the president of Stand Up Michigan. Ron, thanks for joining us this morning. Great to be with you, Sandy. Hey, before we talk about the upcoming, uh, you know, congressional races and and Senate races of 2022, how what's the progress like in Michigan? People would want to know uh, in terms of the shutdowns, how if you you're still in the midst of this, but where is Michigan with that and with the standoff with your governor, Gretchen Whitmer? Well, it's, uh, I guess the, what we could say is over the last, uh, you know, really 18 months, uh, the people are beginning to wake up. Thankfully, we had uh, a group of people that, that came together. Um, uh, we talked about that. Uh, you just mentioned the Unlock Michigan campaign. Uh, she was operating under a law that was uh, over uh, 70 years old. It was a World War II area law. And those were all those executive orders came from that we all heard on the news. And you can't go in a boat with your family member and all the other ridiculous things that she had. She would have kept doing that if it wasn't for the Unlock Michigan campaign and the Supreme Court of the state of Michigan that struck that down. So once that happened, she pivoted to the health departments. And that's what we've seen all over the country now, both state health departments and local health departments, specifically those in liberal areas, have continued the lockdowns, uh, the in non-in-person school uh, masking our kids in school, uh, and they've been the leaders, and they and then they utilize the numbers, like oh, the majority of the kids in school are wearing masks. Well, actually, it's a very small amount of school districts. It's just a very liberal, either uh, either run by uh, you know UAW in some cases, in this case, teachers unions, which are very much uh, you know not for uh, freedom and liberty, honestly. And so our governor hasn't changed her tune, but she has not taken the lead. She's not taken the microphone because it's an election year. So she's uh, acting as if, uh, the, oh, the health departments can do what it is they want. And so we have uh, taken up another petition initiative, and that is to limit the health departments to 28 days. And uh, the people are, are getting on board uh, because all of those businesses, restaurants that were limited in both capacity, uh, um, now we have the forced vaccinations. All of these are being imposed uh, directly from and through health departments, and it's beyond uh, what is uh, – what really is is uh, uh, given to their authority. We have checks and balances. The legislature should be involved in these processes. So uh, I guess here in Michigan, what we could say is the governor hasn't changed, but the people have changed and they have begun to woken, wake up. And I think that's happening throughout the country. 
Yeah, that's that's uh, I, we, that's what I see at, in Michigan too, and in and across. Same thing. I concur. But now here's the thing: um, the mandates are being now are some of the worst are by local health departments. And it's fair to say, is it not, Ron, that you have gotten very little help from the Republican legislature? And by that, I mean when it came to dealing with the 22 election, uh, the, the, the nefarious behaviors and practices that took place there, uh, and the follow-up on it, and then also the lockdowns. The legislature has been pretty weak. Uh, and if I'm wrong about that, correct me. Well, I would say uh, uh, two two parts to that. One is they have passed a lot of legislation to allow the people to have freedom of choice. The problem is the governor has vetoed most all of those, including election laws, as well as uh, all, all of the things we talked about. The, the legislature actually sued the governor in regard to the 45 law. We just simply weren't going to wait for the courts to act. And they did act, actually, at the same time we finished our petitions. But they, they have been acting, but as far as taking the lead, the problem is we have no leadership in the party, not in the state or, or in national, honestly, and meaning that um, they, they kind of get stuck in their own little world and they don't realize how it is affecting the regular people back in their districts. That's why we have a republic. They're supposed to be representing the people, of course, that elect them and send them there, but we all know that's necessarily you know not the case. So what we have been doing is, is twofold. Number one is we've been educating them. It is the job of we, the people, to rise up in numbers adequate enough to affect their policy and their voices and give them a voice. Now, I've got to give them some credit and cover in the fact that our side really is not very active. We haven't been active for decades in the process, not Election Day activities, and certainly not even in regard to legislation or whatever, because Honestly, we as as business owners, as good uh, family people, as Christians, we're involved in taking care of our families, running our businesses, and raising our children. And we assume that those we're elected are going to take care and do everything for us. But that just isn't the case. Really, it requires uh, all of us to be involved in the process at all times. I'm not asking everyone, but if indeed... Uh, Somebody asked me uh, at almost everywhere I go, when does this end? This all ends when we say it ends. It all ends when enough people rise up collectively together and say no more. That's when it ends. You know, it's really important that no matter where you all are at today, uh, it's important that you become part of the process. And I guess the great news about this, and I want to turn this conversation to the to the good news that's happening. I think Virginia was uh, was a, a great bellwether of what is to come. Uh, a state that was purely blue, lost by 10%, Biden won by 10%. And look what happened there in the uh, gubernatorial elections. Uh, Yonkins won by almost three. We took over the state house, uh, literally unthinkable at the time. And the question is why? First of all, it wasn't pollable. And I'll tell you why. That's because Millions of people are now a part of the process. And when I say process, I'm not thinking politics. I'm thinking a part of, of being, I guess, having their voices be heard. The people are waking up. And so what we've done is we've added people who are not considered Republican or Democrat or independent or even associated with any party of any, any way. But they want to get rid of these regulations. They want to return to individual rights and liberties 
to be able to hold and run their, their private properties and their businesses as they see fit, to raise their children and to have their children be taught uh, the real history of our country. And those people that have stood up, it started in Virginia. Stand Up Virginia uh, was an offshoot of Stand Up Michigan, and they were very involved in Loudoun County Schools and Fairfax. We saw all of that on the television. And those are the people that I believe this cycle are going to be involved in the process. Uh, they're going to, to literally make sure that we elect people who will defend our individual rights and liberties. And that is a huge thing because I know in Michigan here, for instance, we found that only 66% of the registered Republicans voted in the 2020 election. Well, that's hopeful for me. There's 34% of the Republicans who didn't vote. And do you know how many people do not, again, consider themselves having any party affiliation, but are realizing that this craziness, this uh, liberal socialism, that uh, path that we are on is not something that they believe in. And so I think it's important for us as a party, because we have to operate under the party in order to be successful. It's important for us to give these people and provide these people a voice and provide them a home, provide them somewhere where they can feel like they're going to be defended. And it's important for our party leadership to uh, to get involved in that. And uh, and if they don't, then we have to do it for them. Yeah, you know, the, thing, the two weaknesses, well, I'm sure I can think of more. Give me more time, I'll think of more than two weaknesses. Uh, but a candidate recruitment, the party is is recruiting, even as we speak, really bad candidates, rhinos, people that will, you know, support Kevin McCarthy and rule the House if they take it back with the weakness that we've become accustomed to. And so candidate recruitment is a huge problem. And then, of course, voter registration, speaking of all the people that didn't vote last time, and all those that are now waking up and think maybe they should be voting. Uh, so uh, what are you, uh, I know that you're leading an effort, and we didn't even talk about this, the Michigan Election Protection Team. Uh, you're putting together, you've got a whole bunch of sponsors, and you guys are, you're just jumping in with both feet. So wh- what are you doing about those two things? Candidate recruitment really concerns me. It does indeed. So what we did is, uh, as an organization, if you work in a grassroots organization or a part of something, understand that all politics is truly local. In other words, we have to and can, can only control those that are elected that represent us in our own district. You can't vote for those in another district. So it is important that the people that are conservative, the people that are free thinking, uh, get involved in local politics. That's from the school board and your township boards and your county commissions. Now, as you know, in 2020, not not only did, of course, President Trump supposedly lose the election, but we took over more local jurisdictions and more down-ballot uh, areas than, than had been done in history. So we're doing very well there. The question is, who are those candidates? And I almost go back to the Martin Luther King of not judging a person by their color, but by their character. Well, I want to use that same term when it comes to uh, political uh, affiliation. And that's because just because they run under an R or a Republican does not make them match our ideology. It doesn't make them conservative. Many districts, as a matter of fact, 70 counties in the state of Michigan out of 83 are Republican-controlled counties, which means if you want to serve on a board at any level in there, you have to run as a Republican. So what we see all over the country is entire liberal boards that are elected as Republicans in conservative districts, but ideologically they're not matching anything that we stand for. And the party looks for the easy way out. They look for the successful businessman, that person, whatever, because it's easy. They throw a little money behind them, they do a few flyers, and they think they'll get elected. 
I don't care about who gets elected. I don't care if we win the next election, if we're not going to do anything with it, if we're not going to actually govern and legislate and protect us going forward. The biggest issue we have right now, obviously, is just upholding existing law. It didn't happen in the elections uh, around the country, and it certainly didn't happen in Michigan. So what we did was we started a campaign of We Need You in 22. And the idea behind that is, is it has to go back to you. So often what we hear is, you should be doing this. Why aren't you doing that? They do this to organizations. I, you know, Why aren't you? And we're saying, no, it's all of us. We have to be involved in the process. And so we are getting, we are looking to recruit over 5,000 election inspectors. They can call them judges in some areas, depending on the state. But these are going to be election workers because some of the things that happened in Michigan are our own fault. And the reason I, I want to uh, share a perfect example with you is in the city of Detroit, there were 5,740 poll workers. Do you know how many of those were Republicans? 170. Wow. 170 workers. Now, it's like, it's like throwing a single hen into a giant building full of foxes. This is what they have been doing to run our elections, not just individually, but collectively. And I want to give you one more perfect example. We wanted to, we use that we throw the word rhino around often. And the first thing I ask people is, what do the Democrats call their rhinos? They don't have a term because they don't <laughs> have any. Oh, they don't have any. No. Okay. Be- no. So the reason is, so we're automatically segregating and separating us when we use the term what we're saying is they're the wrong individuals, they're the wrong people. And so it's important for us to know, let's look at the differences between the two sides. And I'm, I know our, your audience, so I'm, I'm going here. So you have the UAW, you have your uh, NAACP, you have uh, all of these liberal organizations, Change.org, Planned Parenthood, all of these organizations from the Democratic side work collectively not only to support Democratic Party and candidates, but they actually encourage and pay their people to go work at elections. Our party and conservative organizations operate in silos. We not only don't come together to help run and work at elections, but our party actually doesn't encourage that. So the issue is, of course, that your point is that they're all working together and they don't really make the distinction uh, between in their candidates, so we almost have to make that distinction because we know that we we end up with the candidates who are or who are actually Democrats, even though they call themselves Republicans. So we are at a natural disadvantage. But let's get practical here. You've mentioned a lot of things, but how can people link in to what you're doing? And and uh, yeah, so how can they find you? It's we need you in twenty two dot com. Is that right? Yes, if they want to sign up there, uh, they can get onto an email list, which will provide them with information and and uh, even an email way to get in touch with me or with us to where I can hopefully point them in a direction. But I would I would suggest them to get involved with local conservative organizations within their own uh, uh, county community. You need to start there. We have to become delegates. We've got to be willing to serve and run, especially on school boards. But when it comes to uh, state and, and national elections, uh, it, we have to begin organizing in some way, and the party simply isn't going to do it for us. Uh, we're going to have to organize uh, collectively and to, you know, together and individually. We have to get involved uh, because 
the party simply isn't going to provide the solution. But the good news is with that is that the people always are the solution. It will never come from the government. Boy, that's for sure. And you guys have been very effective at organizing. And I think the point in talking about Michigan is that you guys have been a bell, well, a bellwether, and not the way politicians usually talk about it, but for, for conservatives, as we've watched Gretchen Whitmer, you know, yield, wield her power over the citizens and then your response and your organizing and fighting back. It's been inspirational. It really has been. And so the point is that people can learn from Michigan. You can take these ideas and perhaps you're the one, wherever you are in your state, who can get involved and start getting organized. Now, in Michigan, is it too late to uh, to find new – is it too late to get candidates for the 22 cycle, 2022 election? Uh, absolutely not. As a matter of fact, our district lines were just redrawn the 1st of January. Our, believe it or not, we have uh, – our candidates are simply right now determining which districts they're going to run in because we actually had a uh, – a group of people that were deciding boundaries now instead of the legislature after a, an initiative happened here in 2018. So uh, we are absolutely still looking for um, candidates in almost all areas that are going to be willing to uh, run and to serve and to defend freedoms and liberties for all, right, all of so, us. Uh, so and, if they if they contact you, we need you and 22.com through that. Could they could they say I'm interested or I know a candidate? Uh, they certainly can, and I but uh, but I believe they'll get our emails there. Um, I would just actually provide my email if you if you will. It is Ron A at StandUpMichigan dot com. Uh, if they would like to get involved and have questions, they can email me personally there, and I'd be glad to help or direct them. Okay, that's Ron A at StandUpMichigan dot com. Okay, so uh, it sounds good. Ron, um, and also you are trying to get people, election workers, as you said, the Michigan Election Protection Team. It's being sponsored by all kinds of people coming together to try to make this happen. And so this is exactly the antidote we're talking about with George about how uh, it's not real hopeful. When you look at Washington and you look at the party leadership, the Republican Party leadership, I'm not hopeful. I don't think you are either, Ron. And so we have to take back the uh, local governments where we are and then of the federal governments as a result of that. So, Ron, I really do appreciate, listen, all your hard work. You're a great example to all of us. And once again, if you're in Michigan and you think, I'd, I'd like to run or I want to get involved or I know of a candidate, you can contact Ron at ronA at standupmichigan.com. That's ronA at standupmichigan.com. Ron Armstrong, thanks so much. It's great talking to you, and uh, we'll, we'll keep in touch, okay? Thanks a lot. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. All right, Sandy Rios back with you. Uh, one thing I did not repeat again with Ron Armstrong was we need you in 22.com. We need you in 22.com. Just jot that down. Yeah, they're using it as a, that's a reference for those of you in Michigan. There's a QR code there, 
and you can figure out how you can get involved. But I think they're going to broaden it to other states as well. So it's a good thing to just kind of uh, write down and, and, and say, we need you in 22.com. We are working on this preborn campaign this week. And by the way, thank you so much to all of you who have so generously already given. You know, preborn uh, works to help clinics, uh, uh, parenting clinics, where people want to keep their children, unwanted pregnancies, and they provide uh, these ultrasounds, uh, very, very sophisticated ultrasounds, uh, so that moms who are thinking about aborting their babies can actually see that they're real humans. It's just a, it's actually beautiful. And so a preborn is in the process of doing that. Uh, it's uh, $28 provides uh, the ability for one woman seeking an abortion, a free ultrasound. And of course, generally speaking, the stats are most, uh, I think it's like 90%. It's close to that of women who actually see their babies choose not to abort them. It's pretty amazing. That's why our, uh, our uh, pro-abortion uh, opponents uh, hate uh, these ultrasounds, and that's why they're fighting, fighting back so hard. But one that way that you can save a life is to give as much as you can. $28, again, will help one woman, but of course you can do many multiples of 28. And if you would like to help us, it's 877-616-2396. That's 877-616-2396. Or donate online at AFR. .net, that's AFR.net. And one last thing, uh, we talked about the, of course we did, the commemoration of the year of uh, since the protest at the Capitol on January the 6th. And I want to remind you that we are supporting uh, this. Uh, we are demanding, really, that the Republican congressmen and women uh, do something to help the prisoners in the jails around the country who are being held with, uh, in solitary confinement, Without bail and pre-tailed detention, it's just horrific. We talk about it a lot. And so if you would please, many of you already have, go to Align Act, Align, A-L-I-G-N Act dot com, Align Act dot com. And uh, the campaign is Demand Federal Oversight for J6 Prisoner Treatment. Demand Federal Oversight for J6 Prisoner Treatment. It's very simple. They put it together. You can get to all of the congresspersons, uh, Senate and the House and others, and there's a great letter written here, and you can read it and then sign it. And as I said before, Align Act is put together by friends of mine. It's a trustworthy organization, and your information will be safe. And then one last thing, Newsmix has this great uh, video of this January 6th um, events. It's called Day of Outrage. It's excellent, just excellent. It's airing tonight. It's Friday night at uh, 3 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, I guess you better probably tape that, or Saturday night, uh, tomorrow night, at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, or Sunday at 11 p.m. Eastern Standard. So I hope that you'll uh, do that. I think you should see it. I think it's a great tool to share with friends, Day of Outrage. Well, we're talking about the 2022 elections, and you're either (laughs) excited or you're a little depressed, because our view is that uh, Republicans are probably beating their breasts and talking about this red wave while actually not doing anything about it. And so we're concerned uh, because the Republican Party is most closely aligned to conservatives, and yet the leadership of the Republican Party is really feckless. Well, there are um, there are exceptions to that, and Terry Dietrich is one of them. He is the Republican chair for Waukesha County in Wisconsin. Uh, you've heard him many times on this show. He's become a good friend. Uh, and they've just been having some great success in Waukesha County recruiting candidates. Terry, tell us about that, and good morning. Good morning, Sandy. Great to be with you. I know we don't have a lot of time, so I'll be very quick. Last year, you remember, and and, uh, through the course of last year with your your listeners, we tracked our WIS Red initiative. Uh, It's our local elections initiative to 
uh, basically take back our county, the largest red county in the state that unfortunately had prior to my uh, taking the chairmanship had effectively not participated in nonpartisan races where uh, Democrats came in and infiltrated into our school boards and our municipal boards, et cetera. And we lost a bit of our county. Uh, so it was time to fight back last year. Uh, we organized WIS Red, um, put a templated program together for our candidates. There were effectively about 130 seats up last year. We, uh, we recruited, vetted, and uh, ran about 118 candidates. About 15 of them were solid conservatives we didn't need to touch. Out of those 118 candidates, we won 100 races through our program, which was a tremendous victory for us. But it was only halfway down the football field. Uh, that was about half of our races. And this year, spring 22, uh, we have the remaining. In fact, there's actually more races, about 175 that we've counted so far uh, that are open. Our filing date was this last Tuesday, and I'm very proud after a lot of work starting way back and well, right after the April election last year, um, I'm proud to tell you that uh, as of today, we have about 160 candidates out of those 180 uh, that are now uh, filed and ready for candidacy, and we're ready to go with them to win in the spring. So it's been a fantastic run here after the Red victories last year. We just had candidates coming out of our ears, had to vet them, get them ready, Tuesday, they filed, and uh, so we're over 90% of the uh, candidate spots uh, filled and ready to go and, and, and win this spring and effectively take back the majorities of every municipality and every school board in the county. Terry, uh, when they run, when you recruit them and they run like this, do they run, uh, identify themselves as WIS red candidates? Yes. So uh, they have to go through a fairly rigorous uh, vetting process with our WIS Red Vetting Council. So that started back in June. Um, interviews, background checks, and filling out questionnaires and those types of things. We meet with these candidates. Bottom line is, I, I'd say just about every one of them, of course, wants WIS Red support. Uh, we don't endorse, we support. And the reason why we support is because in some cases we have more than one conservative running for a Feet. Of course, we try to negotiate that a little bit and make sure that we don't have a, a situation where we cancel cancel votes out. But bottom line is, is those candidates really, really saw the benefit of us supporting them as as with red candidates. So, um, what will happen here in the next couple of weeks is we will be informing the candidates that we're supporting, and then we will put them into our templated program, meet with them, and ultimately put out uh, a whole series of voter guides postcards, texts, uh, social media, uh, 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 probably commercials and radio uh, as we get closer to the, the uh, uh, spring election, which is on April 5th. So everyone in the county, uh, from swing voters, even light Dems, through uh, low, medium, and high propensity red voters will be informed that those candidates who chose to and we chose uh, will be clearly uh, marked as with red uh, supported candidates, which I think is going to be tremendous for them, and it's going to bolster our opportunity to drive that voter turnout. We're a very red county, so we're 60, 40, 70, 30, in some cases 80, 20 as a red uh, county. And probably just like across America, you know, the, the Republican establishment uh, never really put any effort into these races, and therefore, you know, the voter turnouts in, in our spring elections or our local elections was extremely low. 
Last year, we took it from about 17%, really pathetic, up to about 35% around the county. And that extra 12, 14% was 90 plus percent Republican. And we won all the way across the board. So the key for us is to drive our red turnout out, which is what we're going to be doing. And, and, and informing people that these are with red supported candidates is going to help us do that. So, Terry, in Wisconsin, your primary is February 15th, right? February 15th, and we've actually got just a few of them. They're very big races. Uh, just, just a, I'll mention Waukesha School Board. So Waukesha County is obviously the county, and there's a city called Waukesha. This school board race is going to be the battle royal. I, I equate it to the Loudoun County race in Virginia. It's that simple. Uh, where this race goes is going to be, and where Waukesha goes with these local elections is where, where the state's going to go. And obviously, we've got a huge November coming up with the gubernatorial. And great news yesterday, Senator Johnson announced that he's running again. Yes. So he'll be yep. leading our ticket at the top, which is fantastic. So yep. I believe that this April 5th single, single uh, local elections uh, date statewide is going to be the, the absolute you know, springboard for momentum coming into the summer and the fall for the fall races. So it's absolutely critical. And, you know, with 90 percent of our our, uh, our, our uh, race is full now with candidates, you know, the odds are in our favor as long as we execute and as long as we fund the, this effort properly and as long as we basically blow up the turnout. And I think Terry. people are so excited, especially the moms with the school board races. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait to see what's going to happen. And although, by the way, we should say, we're, we've got less than a minute here, uh, that you have been doing training sessions with people around the country. We've talked about this so often on the air. Uh, and uh, other primaries are not so quick. Uh, and there's still time right. to file for candidacy. There's still time to get involved in elections. There's still time to organize wherever it is that you are. Uh, and so th- let Terry Dietrich in Waukesha County be an example, and also Ron Armstrong in uh, Michigan, who was just with us, about what you can do in your community. So uh, it's time to, yeah, it's time to get busy because our leaders in the Republican Party, uh, or some people's leaders, I don't claim them anymore, <laughs> are doing really very little. And, w- and the outcome they want is not the outcome we want. That's for sure. Terry Dietrich, again, a Republican chair of Waukesha County in Wisconsin. Thanks for all your hard work, Terry. And uh, we Absolutely. hope to talk Thanks. to you. Again, real soon. Thanks, Sandy, thanks real for soon having me on, Patty.